0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Luke chapter 24, uh, verses one through 12. But on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, At early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Thank you. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, angels, stood by them in dazzling apparel, That's been messing with my head all week long. I wonder what kind of outfits they had on, you know, to cause the writer to say, dazzling apparel. I'm like, that's Gucci. That's got to be Prada, something. I don't know. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, get this, why do you seek the living? among the dead he is not here but has risen remember how he told you everybody say remember remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and and be crucified and on the third day rise and they remembered his words everybody say remember And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. If anybody should have remembered the words of Jesus... And believed for the resurrection. You would think it would be the most devoted disciples. And yet they had forgotten the words of Jesus. And did not believe that the resurrection had actually happened. They thought it was an idle tale. But Peter. Man I love Peter. I love him. Because he had just denied Jesus three times. And here he is sprinting to the tomb. Stooping down. And looking in. He saw the linen cloths all by themselves. And he went home, what does it say, church, marveling, because that's what resurrection produces. He went home marveling at what had happened. The title of the message today for Easter Sunday is Remember His Words. Remember His Words. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us, not only through your written word but we say thank you Jesus for speaking to us today your holy words to our spirit that spiritual word that nourishes our soul day by day you said it's our daily bread and so today God we want to feast on the bread that you've provided your holy word we enjoy you we thank you we love you and we adore you we bless you God In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. On your way to your seat, just tell somebody, say, remember. Now look at the person on the other side and say, don't forget. Yeah. We talked about remembrance a little bit on Good Friday. How many of you were here for Good Friday? We had an epic Good Friday service, you guys. If you were not in the room because you missed the RSVP, I want to invite you next year. All right, I mean it. You got to get in the house because it was awesome. And one of the things that we talked about on Good Friday service was remembering. And remembering is really, really important to God, which is why we see God telling his people all throughout the scriptures that we must remember. One of the reasons why God wants us to remember is because God himself remembers. I don't know about you, but I give God praise this morning that I serve a remembering God. Because when he could have forgot about me, he chose to remember me. Let me put it to you like this. When he should have forgot about me, he chose to remember me. That he made a covenant with you and with me even when I was an enemy of his. And he remembers his people today. And so he asked us today on Easter Sunday, to remember his words. In verse 5 and 6 of Luke 24, we see the angels asking the disciples, why is it that you seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking for Jesus who is now alive in a dark, cold, dusty tomb? He is not here, but has risen. And then what did the angel say? Remember how he told you. Now, as I mentioned, as we were reading through the scripture, if anybody should have remembered that Jesus would get up, it should have been his most dedicated disciples. I mean, they had been walking with him for over three years. They were living with Jesus. You would think that they would remember. There is no doubt in my mind that they did so many road trips together. And if you ever want to get to know anybody, just go on a road trip with them. You seem to get to know one another so quickly, right? They walked all these miles together. They did all this ministry together as a team. They sat down at different tables with different people, and they broke bread together. They ate meals together. These were people who were extremely familiar with Jesus and his words. Can you imagine how many times they listened to the same sermon over and over and over from Jesus? If y'all didn't grow up like me as a PK in the church, I take some sermons for granted when I hear them from people that. I'm extra familiar with. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been going to church here so long, you know what I'm going to say before I say it. You're like, oh, here he goes again. I know that. That's that Kentucky saying he's going to bring out right now because it just fits. Maybe the disciples felt that way about Jesus. They're like, ah. After three and a half years, I've heard the Sermon on the Mount like 50 times. You know what I mean? Like they might have taken for granted the words of Jesus. And so maybe they didn't realize that he was extremely serious whenever he said, Hey, guys, I am going to physically die soon, but I don't want you to forget I am going to resurrect. It's crazy to me that the people closest to Jesus were those that were so surprised and so astonished whenever he got up out of the tomb. Peter saw the linen cloths by themselves, verse 12 says, and he went home marveling. You would think Peter wouldn't marvel. You would think Peter expected, but whenever Peter left the tomb that morning, he was marveling no matter how many times Jesus had told his disciples that he would resurrect. It just didn't happen stick for some reason in Luke chapter 9 verse 22 here is how plainly Jesus told his disciples just so that you're if you're giving them a pass right now you're like oh well no wonder they forgot you know no, no, look here. Jesus, I can imagine Jesus like grabbing them by the face and looking at them dead in the eye and saying this Jesus saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. I mean, he even told them who it was that was going to sell him out and have him crucified. And he said, And be killed. And on the third day, uh, Peter, are you paying attention? Thomas isn't. Hey, bro, pay attention. You need to remember Judas won't be there. You need to remember this. On the third day I'm going to get back up and I don't want you to forget it. So Jesus very deliberately made sure that his disciples understood this and yet whenever he resurrected his disciples were the first group that were surprised and astonished. How could that possibly be how could the people so close to jesus listening to the sermons of jesus watching jesus resurrect other people from the dead be so astonished and so surprised that jesus himself would eventually get up out of the grave on the third day well i'll tell you because if you think about resurrection resurrection is mind-bending Isn't it? I mean, if you really, if you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you've taken it for granted. But if you think about the reality of somebody getting up from the dead, that's actually quite unbelievable. If you want to define resurrection, you might define it like this. It is the action of someone rising from the dead. Somebody who has no pulse, like somebody who has definitely died. There is no life in their lungs and they are restored back to life again. I think we could all agree that is a supernatural, unbelievable, marvelous, mind-bending miracle that is not very common at all. Could we agree? Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a resurrection. There might be some people in the room today. You've seen a resurrection before. I've never seen a resurrection before. I'm okay if I never see a resurrection before aside from my own because I don't want anybody to die. Because we got to remember before somebody can be resurrected, they first have to die. And I would prefer for everybody in my world that dies for me to have the peace of God knowing, you know what? It was their time to go. I don't think I should try to raise them. But not too long ago at Legacy Owensboro, my parents' church, there was a lady who died in the parking lot between the services, believe it or not. And my dad went out and prayed for her, and she was resurrected. Believe it or not, this actually happened in Kentucky. And here's what's crazy about the story. There was this huddle around the lady who had died, and there were EMTs and nurses and people there, and they had confirmed, like, this lady has died. And there was this little old lady who like ducked into the crowd, looked at my dad and said, why well, ain't you gonna pray for her? And my dad said, well, I guess I'm the pastor I should probably pray for her he kneels down he prays for her she's resurrected and my dad tells me to this day he's never seen that woman again and he had never seen that woman before and so I think she was probably an angel but she wasn't wearing dazzling apparel and what I love about what took place was the fact that I now know angels speak with a country accent <laughs> well ain't you gonna pray for him? that's my kind of angel right there Very southern, very bossy. I like it. So I don't know if you've ever seen a resurrection before, but I at least know a few people who have. I know some pastors in Africa that I was friends with. They have seen multiple people be be raised from the dead. And so I know that they have faith for it. And if you think about the disciples, they were those who should have had faith for it. Like they had seen multiple resurrections before, but they still struggled to remember that Jesus would, in fact, resurrect and come back to life. And that, my friends, is just how mind-blowing and marvelous resurrection actually is. It does not make sense to the rational mind. It doesn't compute. Resurrection is so marvelous and mind-blowing because we have been conditioned by life, get this, to believe that death is the end. That's why resurrection feels and sounds and seems so crazy to our natural intellect is because we have been conditioned by this life to believe that death is over. It is the conclusion of everything. The question, what happens to me after I die, is a question that our culture has been asking for thousands upon thousands of years. And even to this day, the best minds among us can simply respond and say, nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows what happens after you die. What happens? Where do you go? What will you see? Is heaven real? I can tell you this morning, yes. Is hell hell real? The Bible says yes, it is. The reason resurrection is so hard to fathom is because death feels so final. You know, I was thinking this week about death and about you know, experiences that I've had with death and I was reminded about the moment that I talked to my oldest child for the very first time about death. It was at bedtime and it's always at bedtime that the big questions come. Let me tell you, if you're not a parent, just get ready. You better be ready at bedtime because that's when they're processing. And, and uh, my son Isaiah, he, he, I was putting him to bed and uh, he said, uh, Dad, he said, uh, am I going to die? And I I said, uh, yeah, you are one day. I don't know that I did a great job in that moment, but (laughs) he's like, are are you going to die? Yeah. Yeah. One day dad is going to die. And he said, I'm going to die dad. Yeah, buddy. All of us are going to die. And, uh, I mean, it was, I, I, was, I, I, I preached the gospel to him. All right, I want you to know I did redeem myself because I was kind of fumbling in the moment. But there was something that Isaiah said to me that I'll never forget because he said, well, Dad, if I die, no one will see me. Isn't that an interesting thing for a child to say about death? Because even a child's mind, the natural conclusion to a conversation about death is, No one will see me ever again because death has the last word. Death is final. It's finished. It's concluded. It's over. It's done. That's death, right? That's how we compute death. Like life has conditioned us to look at death and see death as the end. It's over after that. And even just recently, I had to talk to Isaiah again about death as we took him out to dinner last Saturday evening in Dallas and talked to him about the fact that his old school, the covenant school, which we all now know of, which is where my children started school and used to go to school, that there was a shooting there. And as I watched his face compute what had happened, and he started asking questions about, is this person okay? Is that person okay? He started asking about his friends. And, you know, we shared with him, hey, buddy, your principal, uh, Dr. Kuntz, who he loved and enjoyed and knew, she, she died that day. And I'll never forget the look on his face. I never would have expected the first person that my kid knew that died would also be the first Christian martyr that I knew that died. And his jaw, like he he said, that's really sad. I said, yeah, it is. And the waiter came over and he was, you know, trying to figure out what kind of pasta we wanted. And (laughs) Allison was like, just... serious dad talk in this moment but you know the reason why we wrestle with death the way that we do is because we're so convinced of the finality of death itself and one of the reasons we feel so much sadness and it's okay to feel sadness we should feel sadness whenever Lazarus died despite the fact that Jesus knew that he would live forever in eternity and he would in fact get up in just a few hours he still wept It's okay for us to be present. It's okay for us to know that it's extremely sad whenever somebody dies. But the reality is, my friends, is because of what Jesus did on this day, Easter Sunday. We now know that what he says about death is that death is not the end. Death is not final. You are not finished after you take your last breath. But there is actually something more that is available for you if you will put all of your hope, all of your faith, and all of your trust in him. Because he is the way, the truth, the life, and he. Church is the resurrection and that is what we celebrate as we come together on Easter Sunday is we're not just celebrating a day on our calendar or even a day on the Christian calendar but we're actually celebrating in our hearts by faith as we come together and collectively confess that Jesus is alive. And by confessing that Jesus is alive, what we are declaring over ourselves is that his resurrection life now lives in me as his disciple, and death will not have the final word for me. Death will not reign over me. Death doesn't mean that I'm done, but there is more available, and this is what Jesus tells us this Easter Sunday, that we need to remember, church family. We need to remember this. This is what happens in the story. The angels look at the disciples and they say, remember. And whenever they uh, begin to move away from the tomb, what does the Bible say? And they remembered. You see, something significant happens in the human spirit whenever we remember the words of God. Because embedded within the words of Christ is life. At creation, he spoke We need to remember what Jesus has said, because if we'll hold fast to the words of Jesus, we too can experience resurrection life in the midst of so much darkness, surrounded by so much tragedy. Even when we're faced with death, there is a different life that will possess our spirits as we cling to the Jesus, the author and the finisher of life itself. That's what we celebrate on Easter. What were the words that they needed to remember? And what is the words that I want you to remember? Well, for starters, in Mark 10, he told them plainly, he said, guys, after three days, I'm going to get up. I want you to know that. And in Mark 14, four chapters later, he says, but after I'm raised up, hey, I'm going to go on before you to Galilee. So meet me there. They had forgotten these words. And in spite of their reluctance to remember, Jesus kept telling them all along, friends, death is not the end. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. They reasoned through the resurrection with their natural minds as we reason through death with ours. And they even thought it was a tall tale. We read that. They listened to the women as they shared the testimony of what had taken place. And they said, this is a fable. But church... The resurrection is not a fable to be believed, but it is life to be encountered. We have the opportunity to encounter that today. In John chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, When therefore he was raised from the dead, what did his disciples do? They remembered. This is what Easter does for us. It gives us the privilege of remembering that he had said this. And then it brings about faith in the scriptures and the words that Jesus has spoken. What his disciples did 2,023 years ago thereabouts is the same thing that his disciples need to do today on Easter Sunday. And we need to remember. We need to remember what he has said. Death is not the end. Resurrection is in fact promised and all of humanity has indeed encountered resurrection because Jesus is alive right now in this very moment. And even when you die, and even when I die, we will not be done. We won't be done. No, death does not mean that you're done because of what Jesus did on this day by faith. We are all able to have resurrection life forever and ever and ever and ever. His resurrection is your invitation. His resurrection is your invitation. John chapter 3, verse 16, the most famous bumper sticker that ever existed. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, I remember what you've done, and I believe, and I put my trust in it. I believe in him, and he who believes will never perish, but they'll have eternal life. Death, Death was not the end for Jesus, and death won't be the end for you. Death won't be the end for you. One day, you're all going to pass on into eternity. Me too. We're going to be there together one day. One day, our bodies, they're going to give out. They're going to perish. But our souls are going to remain forever. And in John 11, Jesus tells us, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies. Yet he shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Eternal life is available. You have been invited into it because of the resurrection. Remember his words, church. Death is not to be your end. Everyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Romans chapter 6, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He got up, and because he got up, you're going to get up. Because hell couldn't hold him down, hell will not be able to hold you down. The grave couldn't keep him shut up. The grave is not going to be able to keep you shut up. Because he died, as I will, I will resurrect as he did. That's the promise for the believer. First Thessalonians chapter 4 said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, meaning they've died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We still grieve. We just grieve with hope. We still grieve. It's not pretending like, yeah, it's fine, whatever, I'm okay. No, no, it's being present. Look, someone has died. I feel sadness. I'm feeling the feels. It's real. But I'm not grieving without hope because I know that death is not Death is not the end. I have hope because I know this person. I know that I will be reunited with them one day because they put their faith in Jesus who is the resurrection. This is the life that he has promised us because for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even, though, through, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep This is why on Easter Sunday It's so significant Christians That we say he is risen The resurrection is so central to our faith Because we know and confess that he got up We know and confess that we'll get up too Romans chapter 8 says If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead Will also give life to your mortal bodies I don't know about you but I could use that life I depend upon that life I need that life I wouldn't make it another day without that life. He'll also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells where? In me. We don't worship a distant deity today, guys. We're not coming in here to sacrifice animals hoping to appease some invisible God. No, we have the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us that quickens our mortal bodies to know the same Jesus that got up out of the grave over 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus that lives in me and I in him and he will quicken my body and he will bring me up out of the grave whenever it's my time. But until that time, I'm going to worship him, I'm going to believe in him, I'm going to confess him, I'm going to trust him, I'm going to put all my hope in him. And I'm going to make un- people uncomfortable on Easter Sunday because of the way that I dance and sing and go crazy. Now I realize like for some of you guys, you may have come here today because a friend invited you and you didn't want to come. You're like, I'm just doing it because we're going to Edley's afterward. And I feel that because uh, at pulled pork is fire. But you know, there's even a greater meal than the crock pot your grandmother's got ready at home. And that's the nourishing life that your soul needs that can only come from one source. And it doesn't matter what the world has to say, I've tasted and I've seen. I've tried everything I know to try in this life that could bring any satisfaction to me on the inside. And let me tell you, no matter how much I drink, no matter how much I smoked, no matter how many pills I popped, no matter how addicted that I had become, there was no hope found for me in the bottom of those bottles. This is where I found hope, this altar right here. This is where I found hope, the cross of Calvary right there. This is where I found hope in the person, the man, Christ Jesus, that wore the crown of thorns just a couple of days ago, thousands of years ago, who bled on your behalf and on my behalf and who took lashes and was whipped and was drug around and bled and was given a cross and said, walk, march up to the mount of the skull. He had to be crucified there. He's the head. Of course he was crucified on Golgotha, the head. That's who he is, and you know who he did that for, church? He did it for us all, but I want you to know if you're here today and you're like, I just came because I'm doing my friend a favor, he did it for you too. He did it for you too. Whether you've been on your best behavior, he did it for you too. In spite of you being on your best behavior, he did it for you too. And if you're messed up on the inside and you don't know where to turn today, can I tell you Jesus has resurrection life for you? Jesus has resurrection life for you and you might think well what do I got to do to get it I'm so used to getting marketed to do I need to like send some money or something no it's actually quite simple in the book of Romans the apostle Paul tells us this Romans chapter 10 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and I'm tell you he's alive I know he's alive talk to him today (laughs) that's how I know he's alive If you believe that in your heart, what does the Bible tell us? You will be saved. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. I realize that telling somebody they need to be saved is very offensive. Saved from what? I think if we were all good, honest with ourselves, we know that we have some things that we need to be saved from, starting with death, with sin, with all the things that we've been carrying around for so long that God never asked us to carry. Can I invite you today just to leave those things here at the altar? If you don't mind, just for a second, close your eyes, bow your heads. Just want to create an opportunity. If there's anybody in the room and you're like, Pastor Lyle, I need to be saved. If that's you, will you just lift your hand? Just be courageous. Just be bold. Awesome. I see you guys. Amazing. Incredible. Is there anybody else? Don't even hesitate. Just say, that's me. That's me. You know who I also want to create space for today? is anybody that feels like a prodigal. You've been away from God for a long time in your heart. Maybe you've been going through the motions of religion. Maybe you haven't been to church in a really, really, really long time, and you're just burnt out and you're done. But today is a day you say, you know what? I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Would you, would you lift your hand if you're in here today? I want to pray with you as well. Awesome. I see you guys. Incredible. Amazing. Is there anyone else? Awesome, I see you. I'm amazing, great. Come on, today is your day. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Today is a day that you plant your foot on the rock and you say, this is this this is what it's gonna be for me and my family. We, we follow Jesus. I see you guys, I see you guys. You know, I have a simple prayer that I put on the screen here and there's no magic in the prayer. It's actually something Billy Graham wrote decades ago. But it's a way that we can partner our faith with our confession. And I just wanna, Invite everybody in the room. Let's read it out together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.